Welcome back to the Gobble em Up podcast, an official podcast of the Fifth Quarter Network, presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Now, here's your host, Carter Hill. And happy Friday, Hokies, and welcome to episode 23 of the Gobble em Up podcast, a part of the Fifth Quarter Sports Network and presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Do you need a car Mazda? Head on over to Duncan in Blacksburg. I drive a Mazda around town and I absolutely love it. So if you need a car or more specifically a Mazda, Duncan will take care of you over there. You can find some of their new and pre-owned selection of vehicles at DuncanMazda.net. So check them out if you're in the market for a brand new or pre-owned car. Whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform, we thank you all so much for joining us. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, you can go ahead and subscribe and give us a rating. We would so greatly appreciate that. Paul Duncan is our producer, and I'm Carter Hill, your host and a contributor to Fifth Quarter. Reminder to follow us on Twitter at FQ Gobble em Up is our Gobble em Up podcast Twitter. At FQ Virginia Tech is our Fifth Quarter Virginia Tech Twitter. And mine is at CBHill underscore 03. We have a fantastic slate for you playing today. Full podcast, back to an hour episode. Hope you're all, you all are ready to strap in. Um, we're going to start out. Mike McDaniel is going to hop back on with us, and we are going to look at Virginia Tech's 2021 football schedule that was released Thursday morning, give our first reactions to that and our way-too-early predictions for the 2021 football season. Then look at our Hokie Notebook, Men's Soccer, released their 2021 spring schedule. Wrestling travels to Duke in North Carolina this weekend. Then we will give the Hokies women's NC State recap as well as preview North Carolina there. And then on the men's side, recap Notre Dame and then preview the the huge one with Virginia top 20 matchup this Saturday in Castle Coliseum, 6 p.m. on the ACC Network. And that's with Caroline Darney before we close it out. So full episode today, Mike McDaniel, uh, podcaster for Sons of Saturday, their basketball podcast, writes for them as well, and then does a couple other podcasts, is back with us to talk Virginia Tech football's 2021 schedule. Mike, thanks so much. So much thanks so much for hopping back on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me once again, guys. Um, yeah, it's good to be back on with you. And yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued about this Virginia Tech football schedule for next season. It's going to be a big year for Justin Fuente. So seeing the schedule released on Thursday, I'm really interested to see, you know, what everybody thinks of this slate. I know a lot of people interact with you guys and will have different ideas as to how well Virginia Tech will perform next year. I have my own thoughts on it, obviously, as well, but it's an interesting schedule for sure. I think it's a workable schedule for the Hokies, but there are some tough games in there for sure, especially later in the year. So excited to talk about it. There are definitely some tough games in there, and there's definitely some winnable games in there as well. I think it's a doable year for Justin Fuente. He's got some talent back. I was a little surprised James Mitchell came back, but he did. So they got some talent on the offense. They do have to replace a little bit on the defense, but they did bring in some transfers. We will get to that in a second. Actually, I'll go through it now. Divine Diablo, who is actually playing in the Senior Bowl this weekend, he's gone. Um, Tay Daly, a transfer from Vanderbilt, is coming in too. He can maybe step in there as well to help out the Hokies back there in the secondary. Jordan Williams comes in from Clemson. He's going to be hopefully a big help up front with Jared Hewitt and Justice Reed, deciding to not use that extra year of eligibility. Mike, we haven't had you back on since um, before the Virginia game, or actually after the Virginia games, and that was before the Hokies decided to not play in a bowl game. So we haven't had you on at all during the offseason. What are your thoughts been on Virginia Tech's offseason? I personally have thought it's been pretty strong up to the point of Daryl Tapp leaving. That was a big blow, but I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, Daryl Tapp leaving was a surprise. Um, I... I just actually released a, a podcast on my Hokie Hangover podcast. Um, you know, we talked about the Daryl Tapp departure, and that's troublesome for Virginia Tech from the standpoint of, 
you know, Cap's role off the field um, as a guy who was, you know, going to be, you know, kind of the bridge um, between the program and former players and the bridge for improved recruiting. I mean, Virginia Tech has struggled recruiting uh, over the last few years, and that's been in large part due to their struggles in the state of Virginia. And Daryl Tapp was going to be that guy to, or that was pegged by the coaching staff to kind of reinvigorate that effort um, and hopefully lead Virginia Tech to better results on the recruiting trail, especially in-state. And I'm not sure that there's a guy on staff right now that can match the enthusiasm uh, that he brought to the table and the charisma that he brought to the table from that standpoint. You know, Daryl Tapp's a guy who is unique, right? I mean, he's um, obviously a very intelligent guy. He's played in the league 12 years, you know, played in the league 12 years. He's a guy who, you know, was an all-conference player for Virginia Tech during their heyday in the early to mid-2000s. And is one of the best defensive linemen in school history. And so he's got the pedigree. He's got the enthusiasm about the Virginia Tech program. And when you lose a guy like that, he's hard to replace. And that's not something you just replace overnight. Um, so that's going to be a difficult loss for Virginia Tech. I think they'll be fine on the field because Bill Tierlink is definitely a capable coach uh, for the defensive linemen. So I think the production on the field will remain about the same or better um, with who they're bringing in with Jordan Williams, for example. Uh, but I think that off-field role for Daryl Tapp is where he'll be missed the most. So that's a pretty big blow. Uh, but I think overall, you know, they've done a pretty nice job in the transfer portal. Uh, getting Jordan Williams from Clemson is huge. And, you know, I viewed that as a good first step to reconnect with players from the Tidewater area of Virginia. Jordan Williams had Virginia Tech in his top three as a four-star prospect back in, I believe it was 2017. Uh, when he was coming out of high school. So Virginia Tech was a finalist for him before he ended up at Clemson. And he was productive when he played for the Tigers, but he was buried on the depth chart because Clemson just loads up with those four and five star guys up front. Uh, but I think getting him back in the door is really important because Williams was a very good player in high school uh, in the Tidewater area of Virginia. And he chose Virginia Tech and took that leap of faith to, you know, come on board with Justin Fuente and the staff and, that's really important, I think, because he's going to be able to relate his or relay his experience to, you know, guys who are up and coming in the high school ranks and guys that are looking at Virginia Tech coming out of high school. And if he has a favorable experience, I think that could be really key to recruiting um, because the, the best way to recruit guys is based on experience and having a player who can relate to those guys who, who knows a lot of those prominent players in the 757, I think, can only help Virginia Tech. You know, plus Jordan Williams is out of Cox High School. That's where Issy Atuti, um, a member of the 2021 class at linebacker, is from. Um, so, you know, the Hokies are establishing a little bit of a pipeline, both from the transfer portal uh, and also on the recruiting trail. So hopefully they can continue doing that because Cox High School produces a lot of really good prospects. So that was really good. I think getting Tay Daly is obviously something that was needed, especially after Divine Diablo elected to move on to the NFL. Um, and, you know, we'll see how he performs in the senior bowl this weekend. I'm really encouraged by, you know, the steps he made this year and kind of what he's able to do at the next level, but he'll definitely be missed. I mean, he was one of Virginia Tech's best players on defense this year. And, you know, a five-year player at safety is, is not necessarily easy to replace, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if Tay Daly can fill that mold. I mean, Vanderbilt wasn't a very good team uh, this past year in the SEC, um, but he's a guy, uh, Tay Daly, who, you know, I think was third on the team in tackles and a really important player on that defense. 
So it'll be interesting to see if he ends up emerging as an option there at the safety position. Um, I, I think before Devin Hunter was out of the fold, a lot of people expected him to get a lot of playing time this year. But now that he's still indefinitely suspended from the program, we don't think he'll be back anytime soon, if at all. It'll be interesting to see if Tay Daly fills that mold. It's it's obviously good that you know they do have a few other guys returning in the secondary that I think could make a pretty big impact next year. But I mean, overall, I think it's been a good offseason for Virginia Tech, just considering who they're bringing back and some of the guys are bringing into the transfer portal. But the Daryl Tapp loss is pretty significant. Absolutely, yeah. And I made the comparison a couple weeks ago on our podcast. Not that he is um, Dre Bly, but he was Virginia Tech's Dre Bly, that connection like you talked about the bridge with the former players. They're from the same area in the 757. He wasn't that level yet, and I don't know if he ever would have. But he definitely would have helped with the recruiting there, and I think that is a big loss for Virginia Tech. But overall, I would give the offseason a very solid grade right now. You talked about Justin Fuente has really – this. I think one of the most unfair comparisons or one most unfair criticisms of Justin Fuente is his transfer portal management. Sure, he has guys leaving, but this year they're, what, like 10th in the ACC and guys leaving, they're not up towards the top. And they're bringing in some pretty pretty solid contributors too. So um, I think Justin Fuente deserves a lot of credit there. The Hokies do actually bring a lot back offensively. James Mitchell decides he is coming back. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Um, Trey Turner obviously is coming back. Tavion Robinson is coming back. Braxton Burmeister is probably the starting quarterback. You got Connor Bloomer coming in from Texas A&M, but it's Burmeister's to lose in my opinion. So you yeah. got something to build on offensively there. Um, let me go through the schedule real quick. You do lose Khalil Herbert, but you do have some talented guys behind them. Obviously, Khalil Herbert is going to be very hard to replace, but you do have some guys behind them. So you're not left, you know, you're not left dry. Let's go through the schedule real quick before I get your reactions on that. The Hokies open up at home on either Thursday or Friday night, September 2nd or 3rd against the North Carolina Tar Heels. And quick thought on this one. I saw Andy Bitter. I talked about it earlier, but I think that's the time to get North Carolina as they're trying to figure out who to, you know, they're trying to figure out themselves on, uh, with their running game with Michael Carter and Javante Williams leaving as well as their receiving. And, you know, they got receivers like Caffrey Brown. So there, but Deami Brown and Daz, News, uh, Daz Newsom are off to the NFL. So that's, that's the time to get North Carolina. In my opinion, you got middle Tennessee on September 11th at West Virginia for the black diamond trophy on September 18th, Richmond on September 25th, then a bye week Notre Dame on October 9th, Pitt on October 16th, Syracuse on October 23rd. Then they travel to Georgia tech on October 30th. They travel to Boston college on Friday, November 5th, host Duke for senior day on November 13th, go to Miami on November 20th and Virginia for the Commonwealth cup on November 27th. So the Hokies open up with six out of seven at home before they close it out with four out of five, on the road. That's the main thing that stood out to me. I haven't really seen something like that before we get, before we go game by game, Mike, what was your first reactions and what popped out when you saw the schedule first thing? Uh, the month of November. I mean, you mentioned that three out of the four games on the road, um, Georgia tech, Boston college. Uh, I, I get, well, Georgia Tech's, I guess the last Saturday in October, but I kind of grouped that together. Um, at Georgia tech at BC home against Duke at Miami at UVA. That's a really tough five game stretch. Um, Georgia Tech and Boston College are two teams that are kind of up and coming in the ACC. Um, Boston College, I think, a little bit further along in their rebuild because of how good Phil Dracovic was for them this year. Um, Georgia Tech, you know, they're a little bit behind in their rebuild, but they do have some young, intriguing uh, offensive players, both at quarterback and running back. So uh, that won't be an easy road game. BC, I think, is one of the toughest games on the schedule, Going having to go travel there on a Friday night. I think Boston College, when evaluating their schedule, I mean, they might be like five and three, maybe six and two at that point. So they're going to be, I think, 
right around the top 25 when that game gets played. And it's a short week for the Hokies, and it's another road game. I think it's a really tough matchup for them. Duke's going to be bad, so Tech should win that game. At Miami, always a tough game. At Virginia, I mean, Tech's owned Virginia over the last you know decade plus, decade and a half. Uh, but it is a rivalry game, and it's on the road. So, yeah, my, my initial impression was that the last five games are kind of tough. I mean, having to go on the road four times there in the final five games is not something that you necessarily embrace, but I think this team's going to have to do that um, if they want any chance of kind of finishing the year strong. On the flip side of that, though, having some of your tougher games at home, I think, is something you want. You mentioned North Carolina off the top. Getting them early in the year, I think, is really important. Tech is not going to be as big of an underdog in that game as some people are going to make them out to be. And that's because North Carolina's offense, they do have Sam Howell. He's going to be a Heisman finalist next year if he stays healthy. But, you know, he's missing a lot of his wide receivers and running backs off of this year's team. A lot of lost production there. And if you're trying to face off against an offense that is losing a lot, this is the time to do it right off the top in the opener and at home. So I think that's going to be more of a defensive battle um, than a lot of people think. And, you know, the, the other tough game in September is at West Virginia, but West Virginia isn't exactly this powerhouse school right now. I mean, they're in the middle of a rebuild with Neil Brown. So Virginia Tech definitely has a good opportunity to go win a rivalry game on the road there as well. At home against Notre Dame, October 9th, you know, you do get a bye week before that game, but Notre Dame's going to be a top 10 team next year. So I don't anticipate Tech winning that one. Pitt's tough, but you get them at home and Syracuse should be bad. So, I mean, overall, I don't think it's that bad of a schedule for Virginia Tech. I think they can navigate it, but it's going to be tough for them top to bottom, I think, to to really, you know, win eight, nine, ten games. Uh, you know, I, I think the ceiling on this schedule is certainly nine and three, um, but I think it's more likely a seven or eight win season. We're looking at it on paper. Absolutely, yeah. Now let's go through game by game. I'll tell you this morning, I was at the dentist, and uh, that's when the uh, the schedule popped up on my watch. And, and as soon as I saw it, that they were playing North Carolina, I know Justin Fuente had talked about earlier today that he thinks that game's going to be just one of the loudest, even even if it's probably not going to be full capacity, but he says it's going to be the most one of the more intense and more just passionate games that he has coached in Atlanta Stadium with, you know, people were not able to go to Virginia Tech last year, go to Lane Stadium, not able to jump in or Sam in person. So I think there's going to be a lot of passion in that game. But as soon as um, I saw that they were playing North Carolina the first game, I'll tell you the breathe feature uh, came up on my watch because I was so hyped about it. But um, let's go game by game now. Virginia Tech and North Carolina, You would talk, we talked about this one pretty much more than anyone on the schedule. But do you put this one in the W or the L column right now? Way too early. Yeah, the North Carolina game's tough because of Sam Howell, right? Um, he's a guy, like I mentioned, is going to be a Heisman finalist. You know, in a tight game on the road, you know, it really comes down to who's going to make the most plays, right? And North Carolina has that with Howell. And they have a similar defense to Virginia Tech. I mean, North Carolina's defense next season should be pretty good. I expect Virginia Tech's defense to be, a lot, to be much better as well. Um, and Virginia Tech, I think, overall has more offensive talent returning, too. And we talked about some of the guys they have in the transfer portal coming in on the offensive line. Yeah, I think Virginia Tech does have an opportunity to field a pretty good offense next season. But Sam Howell's so tough, and North Carolina's defense is tough. And in a tight game, I, I think you take the guy who's going to be in the running for the Heisman um, in, a, in a coin flip type matchup. And I, I think this is going to be a pretty tough game for Virginia Tech to win. 
Yeah, I'm going to go North Carolina too. Now, this would be like we talked about. It's good to get them early. I would be. This would be the most willing I would be to pick Virginia Tech because of how early it is. But Agreed. I think it's just hard right now in the state of both with the state of both programs. I think it's hard to pick Virginia Tech over North Carolina. Now, I think Virginia Tech could very well win this game and surprise a lot of people because I think North Carolina is going to be a little bit overrated coming into this season. You've seen it on ESPN polls being a top ten team. I don't think they're a top ten team. But I do think that they will be very, very solid. And I would put them as my coastal favorite coming into the season. So I got to go North Carolina. So we both have them at 0-1 right now. Then we got Middle Tennessee on September 11th. That game is in Lane Stadium. The Hokies were actually supposed to travel to Murfreesboro last year. um, But obviously because of COVID, that did not happen. So, Mike, I'll let you go ahead and pick this one too. Yeah, Tech's got to win this game. And Middle Tennessee was really bad this year. And I don't care who they're returning. I mean, the team was so bad. And... You know, I, this is a game Virginia Tech, I think, will win, and I think they need to win, and having it at home is good. Yeah, um, Middle Tennessee was not very good last year at all. Um, Rick Stock still is a very good head coach over there, but um, I think they're going to be even worse than they were last year. They lost their star quarterback, Asher O'Hara, to the transfer portal. I think Virginia Tech should and will not have a problem with this one, but I think if somehow this game is close and the Hokies have already lost to North Carolina – or somehow Middle Tennessee beats Virginia Tech in Lane Stadium, man. Hokie Nation is going to be on fire about Justin Fuente. But um, yeah. we, both have them, we both have them at one and one right now. Um, September 18th, they go up Country Roads to Morgantown, West Virginia for the Black Diamond Trophy on September 18th. This one's a toss-up one for me, but like Mike, I'll let you go ahead and pick this one. I like Virginia Tech here. <clears throat> um, this is a game that I think a lot of people are going to – make it out is a lot tougher game than I think it needs to be. Um, I mean, we're talking about teams that didn't really perform well this past season. West Virginia is there too. I mean, Neil Brown is in the middle of a rebuild. He's been a candidate for a couple different head coaching jobs already since he's been in Morgantown. So they had to pay to keep him around, which was a surprise because he's only going to be going into year three. Um, He's a very good coach and I think he'll have, West Virginia ready to play, but I think their talent is very similar to Virginia Tech, and I think this is a very winnable game for the Hokies, a rivalry game in Morgantown. I'm hoping to have the opportunity to go. Um, that That's a area that I've never been to, a stadium I haven't been to. I've heard the games there are pretty crazy. So, yeah, I'm hoping for everybody's sake we'll be able to go back to games soon. This would be one of the ones I have circled. Hopefully, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about this one. I've been to West Virginia a couple of times. I have driven through their campus and then driven. I've actually walked around the football, the, uh, their football stadium, but I've never been to a game there and I've heard it's fun. So I'm hoping to go too. But yeah, I think I'm going to go Virginia Tech too. This is a coin flip one. This is pretty much impossible to pick this early in the yeah. offseason, but I, I'm going to go Virginia Tech. Um, like you said, Neil Brown, middle of a rebuild. I think he's a great coach. I think he'll do fine at West Virginia. West Virginia's ceiling is not what I think a lot of Mountaineer fans believe it to be, but Virginia Tech historically is um, – Played pretty well against West Virginia. So just like Virginia, they, they they play very, very well in those rivalry games. So I'm going to go Virginia Tech in Morgantown. The next week, September 25th, the Richmond Spiders actually come to Lane Stadium. I think I know who you're going to go with in this one, but Michael, I'll let you go ahead. I'm going with Virginia Tech, but Richmond is not that bad of a program. So if Tech came out a little sloppy, a little sluggish, I don't imagine this game will be – a three o'clock game or anything like that. This might be a nooner. And if that's the case, Virginia Tech better be ready to play because this will be one of the games that Richmond obviously has circled on their schedule trying to win. 
And for Justin Fuente, I mean, he's lost to a couple state schools already. He's not going to want to lose to another one. I mean, he's lost to Liberty. He's lost to Old Dominion. He's lost to UVA. You don't want to lose to Richmond, too. Yeah, he can't afford to add Richmond to that list. That's a pretty um, fair statement. But yeah, Richmond's been a, a very solid program the last couple of seasons. Well, actually, the last couple of seasons, they've had a couple of down years, but they're a very solid program. Mike London won a national championship there before he came to UVA. So they've been there before. Um, I believe they're Kyle something. Last name starts with the L. Is in the NFL now. They're quarterback a couple of years ago. That's just off the top of my head. But yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to go Virginia Tech. Uh, the Hokies have not fared well, really, against FCS schools the last couple of seasons. Um, they struggled with Furman where it was an onside kick away from Furman potentially going down and tying the game at the end of regulation. And then, yeah. And then, um, that was, that was pre Hendon hooker though. That was the Ryan Willis 2019. Um, and, uh, your Rhode Island, they did not look in, uh, extremely impressive in that one either. So the Hokies need to make a, a statement here. So we have them at three and one. Both of us do. They do have a bye week then next. And then October 9th, they host once again, independent, Notre Dame and a huge one in Lane Stadium. Who are you going to go with in this one? Everybody will be fired up for Inner Sandman. And then I I don't really know how Tech hangs around in this one. Notre Dame's much better. I mean, th- this is the thing with Notre Dame. They'll have a new quarterback next year, so we'll have to see what that looks like. It's probably going to be Wisconsin transfer Jack Cohn. So, you know, we'll see if that's an upgrade from Ian Book. I, I don't know, really. But, I mean, Notre Dame's got a really solid program right now. They're probably in an even better spot than they were a couple of years ago when they came to Lane Stadium and beat Virginia Tech. Um, this is going to be a tough game for Virginia Tech to win. And I, I think as long as the Hokies are competitive, I think a lot of fans would be pretty happy. Uh, but I don't expect an upset in this game for the Hokies. Yeah, I don't either. I'm going to go Virginia Tech. I think Notre Dame will take a step back, but – I do think Virginia Tech will not be able to keep up with Notre Dame. And I think the Irish will walk out of Lane Stadium with uh, maybe a two-touchdown win. But, again, that's way too early. But, yeah, like you said, inner salmon, especially if we can get, what, 30,000 people in Lane Stadium? That's what I'm hoping for at this point. Yeah. I mean, that, that place will be going crazy. All right, the next week, we both have them at, what, 3-2 and two right now? The next week they host Pittsburgh on October 16th. Now, in my opinion, I think this is one of those games Virginia Tech fans should circle about whether or not Justin Fuente's team has – taking a leap up from a year ago. Um, this is a game, really one of those games, you know, you win, you you look a little bit better, you lose, you feel like you've not really taken any steps forward. Mike, uh, who are you going to go with in this one? I agree with you on that one because I feel like we're always looking at the schedule for a game that Virginia Tech comes out and unexpectedly loses. Now, Pittsburgh is a lot similar to Virginia Tech now. It's not like a game that would shock anybody if Tech lost, but Tech tends to play Pittsburgh pretty well at home at Lane Stadium, so I think the Hokies win this game. Oh, man. Um, this one's a tough one for me, but my gut says I'm going to go Pitt just because I got Kenny Pickett coming back. Now, they do lose. I believe they lose Jimmy Morrissey, one of their offensive linemen. This is just off the top of my head. I think they lose a – well, they lose a lot of their on their defense as well. So the Hokies should have an advantage there, but way too early. Now, I reserve the right to change this pick throughout the offseason, but at this point, I think I'm going to go the Pitt Panthers in Lane Stadium. Um, I very well could see Virginia Tech winning this one too, but I think I'm going to go Pittsburgh. So that means... Roll with Pickett. Yeah, exactly. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. I, I'm a huge believer in Kenny Pickett. So, um, and yeah, he torched the Hogies last year. So that means what? You have you have them at four and four two? Four and two. Yes. You have them at four and two, and I have them at three and three. Ugh, that's uglier than I thought I was going to have them. But um, then the next week, they should have a chance... For a bounce back or to start a winning streak, 
when the Syracuse Orange come to Blacksburg on October 23rd? Who do you got there? Syracuse is so bad. I mean, they're so, so, so bad. Um, and they don't have a lot returning on defense either, which is going to be a problem. So I think Virginia Tech wins this game by a couple scores. At least they better look convincing in this one because Syracuse is a bottom feeder school in the ACC right now. Yeah, the Hokies got lucky this year by getting Syracuse. They they didn't need to get Clemson or anyone like that. But I think Virginia Tech will take care of Syracuse. Justin Fuente's first really bad loss at Virginia Tech was at Syracuse in 2016. Really, the Hokies' only bad loss that year, um, the only really head scratching one. But maybe what? Maybe Georgia Tech too at home. But um, I think I'm going to go the Hokies at home against Syracuse. So that puts. The Hokies, in my book, at 4-3, and three, and then Mike's at 5-2. and two. Before then, the next week, October 30th, they go, to Atlanta to, they go to Atlanta to face Georgia Tech at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Hopefully a night game. I love night games at Georgia Tech, but go ahead, Mike. So you got to stop Jeff Sims and Jameer Gibbs, right, the quarterback and running back for Georgia Tech. They're really athletic. They're really good. Uh, Georgia Tech, I'm expecting them to take a step forward. This is going to be a tough game for the Hokies. Um, this is going to be year three coming up for Jeff Collins in his rebuild. Um, it was completely tear down and, and build back up just because of the offense that Georgia Tech was running under Paul Johnson versus what they're doing now. Um, this is not an easy game for Virginia Tech to win. They have struggled to win games at Bobby Dodd in the last, I don't know, seven or eight years. Uh, before that, it felt like, you know, in the old days of Frank Beamer and Bud Foster, you know, Georgia Tech, even in the years where they were good, Virginia Tech would just roll them. And they kind of had the option offense figured out. Now it's a different offense. It's more up-tempo, um, spread-style offense. It's more traditional to what you see across the ACC. I think Virginia Tech wins this game. It wouldn't shock me to see them lose it. Georgia Tech should play them very competitive. Hopefully you didn't see Georgia Tech this year. I think that would have helped because, you know, they saw them two seasons ago in Collins' first year, and Georgia Tech didn't even know what their identity was on offense. It would have been nice to kind of see them this year like they traditionally would to get an idea of what Sims and Gibbs could do against Virginia Tech defense. But this is going to be a challenging game for the Hokies because they have not faced uh, this real new offense of Georgia Tech yet. Year one doesn't count, in my opinion, for Jeff Collins. Yeah, I'm seeing all these, not all of them, I'm seeing a, a good amount of Georgia Tech fans on Twitter saying if Jeff Collins doesn't win X amount of games this year, they should fire him. I'm like, no, you needed – Jeff Collins needed multiple years to get this team up uh, up and going. I mean, they were completely tra- – he was completely transforming their offense. I mean, they were a triple option team. He knew he was going to have to eat it in year one and really even the second year too. Um, this is the year we kind of should start to see him take effect of that program, and really I don't think we'll fully see it t- till uh, year four just because yep. of the whole transformation on their offense. I think you took the words right out, of my, right out of my mouth that Virginia Tech missed having Georgia Tech on the schedule this year because I think it would have been yeah. a win for them. But right. Georgia Tech is always a tough place for Virginia Tech to win, but I think I'm going to go the Hokies in this one too. Um, I don't think Georgia Tech has fully you know, gotten to the point Jeff Collins wants them to, to be, and this is a game I could see them winning, like you said, but I think Virginia Tech will go down to Bobby Dodd and get a win in Atlanta, which will be a big win for Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech season. So I think that I'm going to go the Hokies down there. So what what does that put me? I have them at five and three, and you have them at six and two, so they're bowl eligible. New streak has started. Um, yep. The next week, um, Friday, the next Friday, actually, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. I, I'm hoping I can maybe go out to Boston. I like Boston College a lot. Um, they hope they actually travel to Boston College and Chestnut Hill, which will be Friday, November 5th. This is an interesting one too. Mike, who do you got? 
Yeah, I talked about this a little bit earlier. This is going to be a really tough game for Virginia Tech. And a lot of people, I think, might brush off the fact that they go on the road to Georgia Tech um, just because Georgia Tech hasn't been great. And they go on the road to BC, who Tech just handled earlier this year. But this is a really tough game. I mean, you go on the road and then you come home on a short week you know, to, to practice and then you go on the road again to play Boston College on a Friday night. That, and that's not an easy game to prepare for with Phil Dracovic and the weapons that he has at receiver. And he's obviously a really good quarterback. Uh, this is a tough game for Virginia Tech. I actually have Boston College winning this game um, because I think Virginia Tech will win that Georgia Tech game. It'll be on a little bit of a high and then a quick turnaround. That won't be an easy game to win up there in Chestnut Hill. Yeah, that's pretty fair too. Um, they'll be in a high. Uh, they'll be on a two-game win streak on a high after beating Georgia Tech. The national media will start talking about them. They'll go um, Friday night on national TV, and I think they'll lose to Boston College. That's also a nightmare scenario too. You have two games you fly to back-to-back weeks and yep. a day short of rest, like you had talked about. Um, so I, I think I'm going to go Boston College too. I think Jeff Halfley has that program going in, in, in big directions, and I think they potentially could find their way in as a top 25 team this season. So yeah. um, I'm going to go Boston College. So that puts them – you have them at 6-3, and three, and yeah. I have them at 5-4. and four. So um, next they host Duke on November 13th. Mike, who do you got in this one? Got to be a win. I mean, I don't know who Duke's quarterback is at this point. And I'm not sure you do either, Carter, because they, they had Chase Price transfer out. Now I have no idea who, who they're going to have at quarterback. And they were so bad this year. And David Cutcliffe has taken back over the offensive play calling. Or I guess he's handing it back off. He took it over briefly. Um, he's handing it back off to his offensive coordinator, which I think is good. And he's going to take more of that CEO approach like he's done for a number of years. But, yeah, I mean, Duke's season was a disaster this year. They were much worse than I thought they would be. And they need to take a step in the right direction. They just have a lot of question marks as we sit here looking at this in late January. I'm not sure who their quarterback's going to be. I'm not sure how good they're going to be defensively. I'm surprised that Cutcliffe is still there. I thought there might, you know, there might be some sort of forced retirement situation given how bad they've been the last couple years and really how it bottomed out this year. But he's still the coach, and I guess he's going to be able to be there as long as he wants, obviously, because of what he's done with that program. But that's going to be a game that Virginia Tech at home absolutely needs to win because I don't expect Duke to be very good next year either. Yeah, I think Duke and Syracuse are just, they're at the bottom of the ACC, but they're like a whole nother level of bottom of the ACC because I think Florida State will be better this year. Um, So yeah, I'm going to go Virginia Tech too because we're kind of running short on time. But yeah, I'm just going to say Virginia Tech, they should have have no problems in that game. And if they do, there's some issues there. But um, so that puts my, uh, so Mike has them now at, what seven and three yep. and you have, or I have them now at six and four. So they're, we both have them bowl eligible now. So hopefully the Hokies will start a new streak. Then you have two weeks left in the season, two really tough games. So you got to go on the road to Miami on November 20th. Mike, who do you got in that one? I got Miami. I mean, they got the King coming back. Uh, Virginia tech should have won the game this year. It was actually pretty frustrating watching that game. Um, Tech always matches up well with Miami. They tend to struggle with Miami more on the road than they do at home. And having this game on the road, I think it's going to be a tough one for the Hogies to win. Uh, it's certainly winnable because Miami is always so hot and cold. Um, but De'Ara King coming back, Brett Lashley calling the plays, a lot of talent on the offense and the defense. Uh, Manny Diaz taking back over the defensive play calling for Blake Baker. I think that's pretty significant from an administrative standpoint for Miami. So I think that's going to be a tough game for Virginia Tech to win. I expect Miami to be pretty good next year. Um, 
they're not like back until they start contending for championships, but I do think they're one of the better teams in the coastal. So I'm going to take Miami in that one. I think. Yeah, I picked Pitt because Kenny Pickett is coming back and I'm picking Miami because Derek King is coming back. Now did Terry's ACL in the camping world or not the camping world, but, uh, the, the cheese ball, whatever yep. the, whatever they call it in, in Orlando now, but, uh, he did tear his ACL in the cheese at ball. They do expect him to be back at the beginning of the season, but that's going to be a, a mood point. That's, uh, the Hokies uh-huh. don't go to Miami till November 20th and what should be a, um, a warm game for Virginia tech. They've been used to playing in the cold and now they'll go down to sunny 65, 70 degree late November, South Florida, the Saturday yeah. before Thanksgiving. So, um, that's an L in my book. So that puts Mike's record at seven and four and then i have them at six and five then the following week november 27th they actually do play this one on a saturday they go to scott stadium looking to start another new streak um with the commonwealth cup hopefully to get it back to two straight and then build on that one after the hokies did take down virginia 33 to 15 this season mike do do, uh, the hokies hold on to the commonwealth cup again this year I think so. I think it'll be more competitive, though. Um, Virginia does have a lot of talent returning. You know, I I think that game got away from Virginia a little bit, um, you know, back in December. And Virginia was real hot and cold. Brennan Armstrong, I think, was better than I expected him to be. I know a lot of UVA fans were expecting him to be really good. Uh, I wasn't totally sold until I saw him play. But, you know, I think UVA is going to have a, a competitive team next year. I think they'll be very similar to Virginia Tech. Um, I think Virginia Tech keeps it going, though. I, I can never pick Virginia in this game because for as long as I've been a Virginia Tech fan, um, for as long as I've been following Virginia Tech, they have been rolling over Virginia with the exception of one year, and that was a crazy game with Bryce Perkins. So it's really hard for me to just – psychologically pick UVA to, to win this rivalry game because they just don't do it very often. Yeah, the Cup's going to stay in Blacksburg. Well, it will go to Charlottesville for a day and then it'll bust back to Blacksburg. I think Virginia yeah. Tech will get a win in Scott Stadium. I think they'll be hungry too. Those who were on that team two years ago know what it was like to lose and see all the students um, storm the field. Now, probably would not be able to happen this year with COVID, although Notre Dame did it against Clemson last year. But um I think that will leave a bad taste in a lot of those uh, guys' mouths who were on the team a couple of years ago. And I think Virginia Tech will go into Scott Stadium. And, you know, I think it'll be a close one throughout the most of the game, but I think the Hokies will win comfortably by, I don't know, 10, 14 towards the end of the game. Obviously, way too early, but I think Virginia Tech will take care of business at Scott Stadium in and, Charlotte. And, and real, real quick, Carter, I, I know we're running short on time. I, I want to. Can we go through real quick and just like pick a handful of games that we think are going to be trap games? I, I always try to pick one. Every, I always try to pick a couple every year where I'm like, okay, Virginia Tech can definitely slip up there. There's always a game that I think the Hokies should win that they don't. Yeah, yeah sure. I that's mean, a good idea. I mean, my my handful, um, the ones that are kind of off the radar that I think people should probably pay attention to, uh, maybe they're on the radar for some, I don't know. But Richmond um, in Lane Stadium, end of September, um, especially with Notre Dame two weeks later, I think that's a game that everybody should just keep an eye on for potential for Virginia Tech to come out a little sluggish. Pitt, like you mentioned, I mean, you picked Pitt to win the game, so I know it's on your radar, but, you know, Pitt's always tough. Um, and then, in my opinion, having to have Duke sandwiched between Boston College and Miami, like Virginia Tech should really win that game, but Duke hung with Tech for a while in Durham and in this past season, and, you know, having it sandwiched between two road games – it's kind of like a letdown look ahead type game, especially if Virginia Tech loses to BC. So 
that could be kind of an off the reservation game. Virginia Tech should absolutely win. We'll probably be like a 10 or 11 point favorite. I would think that, you know, wouldn't shock me if they lost just given where it is on the schedule. Yeah, for my trap games, I think they pretty much match up what you said. I wouldn't consider West Virginia a trap game because West Virginia no. very well could be favored in that game. Right. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say Middle Tennessee. I, I could see Middle Tennessee being a trap game, but really at that point, you're um, you're beyond trap if you lose to, to Middle Tennessee, especially yeah. if you lost to North Carolina. So I wouldn't really circle that one as a trap game because the Hokies typically perform well earlier in the season with stuff like that. But I think I'm going like towards the first few weeks, maybe not the last, maybe not the fourth or fifth week, like against Furman or something like that. But yeah, I would circle Richmond. Um, I don't really know if Syracuse would be a problem. Georgia Tech, I don't know if you consider that a trap game, but I definitely, if you do, think that's maybe the biggest trap game on the schedule. Yeah, Boston College. Yeah, Boston College is not a trap game. Um, neither is Miami or Virginia, but I would circle maybe Virginia, but I would circle Duke for sure. Like you talked about, it was what thirty-eight to thirty-one last year. Yeah, and Virginia Tech should not have had. Yeah, Virginia Tech looking at the end of the season should not have had any problem with Duke, especially when they were playing that way earlier in the season. Now at that point, everyone was like, ah, "I'm ready for Hendon Hooker to come back." Why is Braxton Burmeister still the quarterback? Which was right. a little fair and a little, you know, it was both ways. Um, obviously that script flip towards the end of the season but yeah i i pretty much agree with you on the trap games i could see the Hokies getting off to a good start and beating north carolina i could also see them losing that one badly and you know the fan base is in disarray again um i did see brett mcmurphy had virginia tech ranked what like 21st or 22nd coming into the season i personally would not have them ranked coming into the season i wouldn't but- either I, I think you know there's some room for them to maybe potentially get there early on and um i think it's doable I don't think ranking is really the big concern right now. That would put overall, based on what we predicted, Mike had them going eight and four. I had them going seven and five. So that would put that puts them probably what third or fourth in the coastal, something like that. That's I would think so. I would have them. That's probably I would where think I would so. have them. behind North Carolina, Miami, maybe Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's kind fair. of the sweet spot in my opinion. That's probably fair. So um, I would have them at seven and five going. I would say that the Sun Bowl, something like that, that makes sense. Sun Bowl, Penn Strike Bowl. Haven't been to the Sun Bowl since 2013. Never been to the Penn Strike Bowl, I don't think. So, um, yeah, that would be fun. I'm a big Yankee fan. So, if they went to the Penn Strike Bowl, I think it would be fun to see a game at Yankee Stadium if New York, you know, allows fans in the stands. But um, I, I think that's a realistic, realistic bowl game situation. Now, I know you had them eight and four. Do you have any other bowl game destinations that maybe the Hokies can reach? I mean, eight and four probably gets them in what I guess is now the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Um, they'd be kind of right in the sweet spot, that you know, the old Belk Bowl. I think that's a likely destination uh, if, if they go eight and four and they finish around where we think they would um, in the coastal in that scenario. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't expect this to be a lightning year for Virginia Tech. I think Justin Fuente needs, needs it to be better than what we just said. Like, I think he needs it to be at least eight wins being the floor and then maybe nine or more. I don't know if they'll get there given what they have returning. There's a lot of questions at quarterback and you got some questions about important guys to replace on defense at linebacker, interior defensive line. I know Jordan Williams will help, but not having Hewitt come back is just another warm body <laughs> that would really help. Um, and there are some questions on the offensive line. So plenty of questions for this team and, you know, they, they need to have a good year, but it's really hard to have any confidence given what we've seen the last few years. Absolutely. Yeah. And one more thing about a trap game with Richmond. I don't think we had talked about that's coming off of West Virginia. So if the Hokies went at West Virginia, 
I would expect that Virginia Tech Richmond game to be a little bit more competitive than the experts may think. But um, we that that should definitely be fun to keep an eye on. Now, our offseason coverage will continue throughout the rest of the offseason headed into spring practice. If there is a spring game, we'll have coverage about that one. We'll see about that. Um, and then, of course, into the summer and then into the fall, our coverage will continue. And I reserve, I'm sure you do, reserve the right to change my picks on any of these based on oh, any yeah. additions, subtractions, anything like that. But it should be interesting to see. But um, that is Mike McDaniel, who does a lot for Virginia Tech Athletics, Sons of Saturday, Hokie Hangover, Basketball Conference Podcast. Is that correct? That's Yep. yep. Awesome. So, um, Mike, if you have any final thoughts, go ahead and share them. Um, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Carter. Looking forward to be on with with you and Paul again soon. Um, but yeah, go go check out my stuff at Sons of Saturday. Uh, check out the Hokie Hangover podcast, Basketball Conference podcast. If you like ACC football, we talk about all those all those schools, not just Virginia Tech. So make sure you go check all that out too. Absolutely. Well, Virginia Tech football in twenty twenty one. We are looking forward to it. Hopefully, I'm hopeful for an, uh, a nine and three year, but I have them at seven and five. Mike has them at eight and four, so somewhere around there. Hokey Notebook is next. And a huge thanks to Mike McDaniel for giving 40 minutes of his time to hop on with us and talk about Virginia Tech football's 2021 schedule, given our way too early predictions. Again, way too early. Those will change. Rosters will change along the way. But that's what we have right now for Virginia Tech football in 2021. Well, it is now time for our Hokie Notebook. The last spring sports season has been released, and that is Virginia Tech men's soccer. They can they conclude their season in the spring after a pretty good start in the fall to the 2020-2021 season. They will continue their season on Sunday, February 28th, after two preseason exhibitions at VCU and Virginia. That one is at Coastal Carolina at 1 p.m. They'll host Duke on Saturday, March 6th at 1 p.m. They will host Clemson on Saturday, March 13th at 5 p.m. Travel to Charlottesville to face Virginia on Friday, March 19th at 2 p.m. Host Pittsburgh on Saturday, March 27th at 1 p.m. And then travel to North Carolina on Friday, April 2nd at 7 p.m. And Notre Dame Friday, April 9th at 7 p.m. Before the ACC Men's Soccer Championship from April 13th through April 17th. So Virginia Tech Men's Soccer, they had got off to a pretty good start in the fall. Now they will hope to continue that under Mike Brizendine. Without Daniel Pereira, the number one overall pick in this past MLS Super Draft We'll look to continue their great start to the season in late February. So hope to catch them both soccer and lacrosse at Thompson Field this spring if fans are allowed in. Wrestling, they traveled to Tobacco Road this weekend. They have two matches against first Duke 5 p.m. tonight on the ACC Network Extra. And then Saturday in Chapel Hill in the rescheduled match with North Carolina. The Tar Hills are ranked 14th and the Hokies are ranked 8th. That's a big one in Chapel Hill. That's 3 p.m on the ACC Network Extra. So a little appetizer to the Hokies and Cavaliers in men's basketball at 6 p.m. from Castle Coliseum. So Tony Roby last week told us that he wanted his team to wrestle a little bit better coming into this week. Though Duke is not very good in wrestling, so they should get a win there. Carolina will be tough, but hopefully the Hokies will be able to get it done in Chapel Hill after dropping one in North Carolina last season. Well, Virginia Tech women's basketball has broke through. They shock 
the women's basketball world and deny a one Louisville and two NC State matchup on Monday night that everyone was looking forward to by upsetting the NC State Wolfpack 83 to 71 in overtime. The Hokies probably should have beaten the Wolfpack earlier, earlier this week. They get a second chance and they get it done this time in Blacksburg. They finally snapped that losing streak. They're now eight and seven overall and three and seven in the league. Virginia Tech handed NC State its first loss of the season, and this is only the Hokies' second win against NC State in its program history. This was a fun one to watch. Virginia Tech, first of all, they scored, it was 57-57 to at the end of regulation. They scored 26 points in overtime, and Virginia Tech wins it 83-71. to Asia Shepard led the way. She had a fantastic game with 28 points. Liz Kitley with 17. Uh, Zana Baines with 16. Kayla King with 10. Georgia Amore with 9. And Deja Gregg with 3. What a win for Virginia Tech women's basketball. Really happy for Kenny Brooks and company. They needed it. They have a talented group of girls. They finally get a big win, and they um, send a message. I should Well, they um, make themselves known in the women's college basketball world that they upset the number two team in the country, which is probably Virginia Tech women's basketball's biggest win in program history over a number two team in NC State. Lance and I were talking about weeks ago that we think the whole perspective of women's basketball is becoming more competitive. I I remember when top-ranked UConn was beating 16th-ranked South Florida by 35, and I I think some of those dynasties have kind of fallen. Like Louisville was number one, and the Hokies probably should have beaten number one Louisville and probably should have beaten number two NC State twice. They do get it done the second time, but that's just how uh, how much more competitive women's basketball has become. But everyone was looking forward to undefeated NC State and undefeated Louisville, one and two on Monday night. And the Hokies spoil it. Some more stats on Virginia Tech in this one: they shoot thirty nine percent from the field, thirty eight percent from three, go twenty for twenty four from the free throw line. While NC State went fourteen for twenty two, that's notable. They were out rebounded thirty out rebounded thirty nine to thirty six. Had sixteen assists, one block, six steals. Turn the ball over 11 times to their 16. So those are um, your stats for Virginia Tech NC State. It was 30 to 26 Wolfpack at half, 57, 57 in the end of regulation. The Hokies, once again, 26 points in overtime and win this one 83 to 71. This, I mean, it, this was, uh, it was, it was tough for mentally for Virginia Tech to come back in this one. They had uh, towards the end of the game to win in overtime. Um, the Hokies had the game one at the end of regulation and, I don't know why Virginia, Virginia Tech did not foul. And, and with five seconds left, NC State had the ball down three, and they had two fouls to give, and Virginia Tech did not foul. And um, I believe as Camille Hobby launched up a long three-pointer. I don't know how it went in, but it went in and sent the game to overtime. And I'm thinking, oh, here it goes again. Virginia Tech women's basketball is going to fall. It's a drop this one too. And to their credit, they play a flawless overtime and win the one, win this one 83-71. to now they get a chance to win two straight when North Carolina um, comes to town this Sunday. Virginia Tech had already beaten North Carolina 66-54. to Some stats from that one earlier this year. Elizabeth Kitley with 18. Asia Shepard and Kayla King had 15. Or I said Liz Kitley with 18. Asia Shepard and Kayla King with 15. Georgia Amor with 12. Asia Jones with 2. And uh, Alex Obafagi with 1. Carolina in that one. Janelle Bailey really is their best player, but she was just the second leading scorer. Deja Kelly with 15, Janelle Bailey with 11. That matchup with her and Kitley down low is very, very strong. Petra, Petra Helen Siska with 10. And then 
Kennedy Todd Williams with nine, Ariel Young with three, Anya Poole, Stephanie Watts, Alyssa Utsby all had two. North Carolina had played. They dropped that one to Virginia Tech, 66-54, lost to Syracuse, 88-76. Did get a win over Notre Dame, who has beaten the Hokies twice this season, 78-73. And as of the moment of this podcast, they have not completed their match with number their, their game with number one, Louisville, at the KFC Yum Center, which was last night at the time of this podcast release. So most likely, uh, North Carolina is coming in losing four of their last five after they dropped – one to Miami before Virginia Tech's first matchup with the Tar Heels, 69-59. North Carolina, they are on their way up in women's basketball, but they are not having a great season either, so this may be an opportunity for the Hokies to, to string two together and start getting on a roll at 3-7 in the ACC. They need to desperately. Right now, I believe they'd be at the 12th seed in the ACC tournament. There's only 13 with Duke and Virginia not playing, but that's where the Hokies would be right now. So Virginia Tech women's basketball – they got a shot to win two in a row and maybe get back in this thing. Big win for Virginia Tech over NC State, 83-71 to in overtime. Huge win for Kenny Rooks and the Virginia Tech women's basketball program. Time for the men's. Now, Caroline Darney from Streaking the Line is going to come on and preview Virginia Tech and Virginia, the huge one top 20 matchup from Castle Coliseum. 6 o'clock Saturday night on the ACC Network. But let's go quickly over the Hokies' 62-51 to win over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in South Bend on Wednesday night. This was fun to watch. The Hokies, they, they still had some struggles offensively, but they played about as flawless of a defensive game as you could have. Held Notre Dame to their lowest scoring margin of the year, or their lowest scoring game of the year at 51. Naheem Aline had another fantastic game with 15 but the Hokies had four uh, scorers in double figures. Keve Luma bounces back, finally. Justin Mutz, they both put up 14. Hunter Couture put up 13. Wabisa Beatty had three, and Jalen Cohn did knock down a three. Need to get him going a little bit more with three. He started in the place of Tyrese Radford, who, of course, is suspended for a DUI arrest. So the Hokies seem to not miss a beat without Tyrese Radford, but I, I'm interested to see how they respond this Saturday against Virginia. I think it's going to be tough to see um, – how they perform without Radford there. David Gusan also played. He did not score. Joe Bamasil actually got some decent minutes. He didn't score. Darius Maddox and John Ojiaco also got in the game as well, and they each did not score. Notre Dame, Prentice Hub had 17 points in the first half. Notre Dame had 22 points in the first half, and Hub had 17 of those. He finishes with 22. Nate Leszewski, the Hokies hold on to his second lowest scoring game of the season with seven. Trey Wirtz put up seven. Dane Goodwin missed him, put up eight. Juwan Durham put it three, Nicola Dojo with two, and Tony Sanders Jr. with two. Elijah Morgan and Matt Zona got in the game. They did not They did not score. So Virginia Tech held a lot of Notre Dame's best scores to uh, a minimum amount of scoring, and the Hokies really, uh, I mean, they won by 11, but they really dominated this one from the tip, and, and they did not look back 31 to 22 at halftime. Notre Dame did kind of, you know, they, they they had their chances to get back in the game in the second half, but it just wasn't happening. Virginia Tech gets it done at Purcell Pavilion in South Bend, 62-51, to 51, and the Hokies sweep the Fighting Irish. So that sets up a, a pretty big one. I, I, I think um, Virginia Tech can they – they, they're still missing some open shots, especially with Jalen Collins, so hopefully they can get something going there. That would be absolutely huge if they can. Um, obviously, that's the hope. 
Hopefully they can get him going a little bit more. Keve Luma finally had a, a big a big game response. Still a little bit shaky down low with the ball, but he's he he's coming back on. That matchup with Jay Huff is going to be huge down low if the Hokies are going to be able to pull this one out against Virginia. So I I, I like where Virginia Tech's at headed into this game. There's still a lot of room for improvement on obviously, but the Hokies got to be happy walking out of Notre Dame with a 62-51 win. I mean that was a defensive. That that was a defensive performance, defensive display, really, I should say, out there in Notre Dame. And Hokies almost hold Notre Dame to under 50 points, which they've been a very good offensive team all season. So nice win for Virginia Tech up in South Bend. Up next, the Virginia Cavaliers. Oh, man, this is such a good podcast with the schedule and Virginia coming up. Caroline Darney from Streaking the Lawn and SB Nation is coming on. She covers Virginia Athletics to preview Virginia Tech and you're listening to the Goblin Up Podcast, presented by Duncan Mosdick and Blacksburg. And now it's time to preview the big one, Virginia Tech and Virginia, in a top 20 matchup from Castle Coliseum, 6 p.m. on the ACC, Net- ACC Network this Saturday, January 30th. Hopping on with us is Caroline Darney, who is a managing editor for Streaking the Lawn and also works with SB Nation, who covers Virginia athletics. Caroline, thanks for hopping on and helping to preview Virginia Tech and Virginia. Absolutely. I'm excited. This should be one of the better games this weekend, question mark, hopefully. Um, yeah, it should be a good one. You know, two teams that I think are playing pretty well right now and obviously has huge conference implications and also is Commonwealth Cup. So, well, Commonwealth Clash, I should, I should say. So, you know, Absolutely. lots of stuff going on. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, um, I was looking at the schedule earlier this week and I saw it was on ACC network and I was shocked. It wasn't like on ESPN, ESPN two, but I forgot that the SEC big 12 challenge was this weekend. So yep. they're, they're trying to spotlight some of those games. I think Tennessee and who do they play? Kansas is on at six, something like that. Yeah. And then, so ACC network regardless, but first one, I'm going to go through uh, the statistics for Virginia, just like we always do for every, Vir- every basketball preview pod. First of all, Virginia is playing really, really good basketball. Before I really dive into it, what has Virginia been doing to get to this point, and where have they started playing better the past seven games? Yeah, so early in the season, I think Virginia suffered from what a lot of these teams with this weird COVID summer and preseason dealt with, which is, you know, they have a lot of new faces this year. When you look at Sam Hauser, who was a transfer, they added Trey Murphy, who was a transfer from Rice that they didn't find out would be eligible until just like literally the day before Towson um, to open the season. And then you've got some first years that came in. So a bunch of new faces. And, you know, when you play the pack line and the way that Tony Bennett likes to run the defense, like that stuff takes time to communicate, gel, all those good things, obviously not alone in having that as a problem. Um, But I think that was part of it was just getting more and more comfortable and confident. And like Tony Bennett likes to whittle his um, like rotation down. So when they were playing like, you know, 10 guys, 12 guys early in the season, finding out who gelled well together, who needs to be on the court together. And honestly, they just started shooting a little bit better, which always helps. And, uh, you know, they started putting Reese Beekman, who's one of the freshman uh, point guard, in the starting lineup. And he's he's been a huge benefit on both ends of the court. Absolutely, yeah. And let me go through the schedule real quick for Virginia, for those of you who hadn't been paying as much attention. She talked about Towson. Trey Murphy was announced eligible literally the day, the day before, and he was the leading scorer against Towson, put up 21 points. 
and the Cavaliers took that one, 89 to 54. Then they lost that. Um, what's what's the right word? Lost uh, <laughs> a lot of shocker to San Francisco, 61 to 60. Beat St. Francis, PA, 76 to 51. Beat Kent State in overtime, 71 to 64. Was on a long COVID pause at that point. Then ends up playing William and Mary. Wins that game, 76 to 40. Plays a really, really good Gonzaga team. Loses that game, 80, uh, 98 to 75. Goes brutal. to Notre. It was brutal, but hey, they, <laughs> they're so good. Oh my god, <laughs> they're they're very good. And I mean, Virginia was. I mean, I know they played William and Mary before, but Virginia was coming off a of COVID pause, so you got to give them a little yeah. bit of wiggle room yeah, there. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Notre Dame. They go to South Bend and win that one, 66 to 57. That's when the postponement with the previous game in Charlottesville with Virginia and Virginia Tech took place. They do then rattle off. Well, they had already started their winning streak at that point, but they. They win six more, um, beating Wake Forest seventy to sixty one at Boston College sixty one to forty nine, versus Notre Dame eighty to sixty eight. That one at, at Clemson, who everyone was like, "Oh, Virginia's good." Eighty five to fifty, um, Georgia Tech sixty four to sixty two, and then most recently Syracuse, which they looked very very well on Big Monday or very very good on Big Monday, eighty one to fifty eight. That was a fun one to watch. Some statistics for UVA. You talked about Sam. I'll go through the statistics in a minute, actually. But you talked about Sam Hauser and mm-hmm. Trey Murphy, and they're, they're coming in, and they're really gelling well in this offense. Virginia's offense really, you know, typically Tony Bennett's defense has really been, you know, the the the, the lockdown type of, type of, type of signature, signature, uh, what's the right word? Signature. It is the signature of the team. Yes, I mean, yes, that's like, yeah, signature. like it's like their thing. It's, you know, what everyone expects and they only give up 50 points a game and, you know, they only score 60 and like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they were, they were playing well defensively earlier, earlier on the season, but they took them a little while to find their offense and they, they've got it now and they're, they're clicking on all cylinders you watched that Syracuse game the other night. What made Virginia so dominant over Syracuse, who had just actually taken Virginia Tech behind the woodshed that past weekend? Yes, and that Syracuse, like Syracuse, is always going to be a thing, right? Because the the two three zone is difficult, and like you have to be able to shoot well, <laughs> which is something that Virginia did, and, and they really, really, it was like textbook. Uh, example of like what to do against a zone, um, and that was what it was perfect like not to be there were mistakes obviously made but you know they they worked kihei clark into the middle of the zone which i know a lot of people will be like the guy who's five eight like he was in the middle of the zone but you know he was making good choices he was dishing the ball well i think they had five alley oops um and so you know like you get kihei in the middle who's a good distributor if you don't you know pay attention to him he can actually get these shifty shots up himself or dribble out and dish or dish out to someone for a three. So there were a lot of situations where it kind of like really great ball movement. They assisted 79% of their baskets. So like, I think they were 23 assists on 29 made shots. So finding that extra pass, really moving the ball around well, um, making it difficult for the defense. And and, and what's crazy is um, when you're listing those scores, they've now hit 80 for three ACC games. Um, the last time they scored 80 in the tr- championship season, they did not score 80 points in a conference game at all last year. And then it, to find another season where they scored more than 80 points in two, like in a conference game, you have to go back to like 2014. So just as a reference as to like how much this offense is actually clicking right now, like this is even in a sequence where Tony Bennett has had really good ACC teams, this one is hitting some of the milestones that others have not. Absolutely. Yeah. And Virginia comes in 11 and two overall and seven and zero in the ACC after rattling off that seven game 
win streak. That game against Syracuse, look at some stats for Virginia, Sam Hauser and Jay Huff. Lead the team in scoring with 21 points. Trey Murphy, the third, with 16. Reese Beckman, you talked about him. Reese Beekman, I believe. Reese yeah, Beekman. Beekman. Yeah, Beekman. 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 Yeah, yeah. So with 10, um, Casey Marcel with seven, and then Francisco Cafaro. Yep. That absolutely. Yep. With two. That's the scoring for Virginia in the 81 to 58 game against Syracuse. Some more stats overall team wise for Virginia. They out rebound the Orange 41 to 28. Seven offensive rebounds to their four, had 23 assists, five blocks, seven steals. Did turn the ball over 13 times, but that obviously did not matter as they did take care of Syracuse. Had a 46-point uh, second half. So yeah. that, that's what you're talking about with Virginia's uh, offense. They're really, really clicking now. With that being said, I'll take, you, I'll, I'll take us back to Virginia and Virginia Tech this Saturday. What is the guy to watch out for for Virginia matchup-wise versus Virginia Tech? Oh, that is such a good question. Um, <laughs> it's tough. It's it's. I think right now the answer has to be Jay Huff, just the way that he's been so consistent. And you've got a guy who's seven one, so he's tall, the tallest guy on the court um, come Saturday, who can also shoot forty six percent from outside. He's just been so consistent. He's really made the like leap, if you will, this second or in this season. He's been good. He's been you know, tough to guard, obviously that height, all that sort of stuff, but he's really worked on his post moves and he can pull you away from the basket. You will see him at the top of the three point arc so many times. And that's a place where he hits the majority of his three pointers. And one of those, he's a, he's a pretty good passer. So like, it's not like you can just, you know, double everything and make him pass it out. Cause he can do that. So it's just kind of like, what do you do with Jay Huff? Because, um, you know, he's number six right now in, in the Ken Palm player of the year standings. Um, and he's got a, like, he's 10th in the country in block percentage. So like defensively, he's someone that you can't really just go in, uh, into the paint against. So he's probably, you know, he's, if you, if you force him off the three point line, he's making 71% of his, uh, his twos. So he's just really, really difficult all around to figure out what to do with. Yeah, and looking from the outside in, obviously Jay Huff's been there for a while, but I almost feel like Sam Hauser has kind of taken some, I shouldn't say wait, has kind of taken some spotlight off of Jay Huff. I feel like not not as many people nationwide are talking about Jay Huff as they yeah. had in years past. That's just me looking from the outside in. I haven't watched a ton of Virginia straight through, but that's just kind of my perspective on it. But yeah, I would I would agree with that with Kevin Luma down low too. You know, Luma's been good all season, but we have seen that he has struggled against some of the bigger guys down or the better guys down low. Um, Louisville, he had struggled. Duke, he even had some trouble down low. And then the past few games, he's... Actually, well, Notre Dame, he, he kind of got going, but Wake Forest and Syracuse, he had had some trouble. So I think that's a that's a fair matchup to look at to see what really can, you know, put UVA on top in this game and what could, you know, propel if, if Kevin Luma plays a great game, Virginia Tech to pull off the upset. Um, looking at UVA before we do make a pick on this one, have we seen Virginia's ceiling this year? And if we haven't, what is it the rest of the season? I don't think that we have yet. I think the defense can actually it will continue to improve. Um, but I know that sounds like very, like what a Virginia answer, like they're on a, you know, they're undefeated in conference play. And the first thing we talk about is the defense, but um, you know, there's ways that they can continue improving there. And just even Sam Hauser has been really good over the last three games. He struggled a little bit shooting, getting used to everything in the, in the early part of the season. Um I want to see some of those rebounding numbers go up a few, a few fewer turnovers. Um, but overall, like they've, they've been playing really well. This is a team that when all things go right and they play to their potential, 
can make a final four. Like I'm not promising that they will be in it or any of that nonsense, but they have pieces that can do that because what is also interesting about this coming game this weekend is when you look back a couple years ago, the national championship team, that was a guard driven team, right? That was Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, um, and DeAndre Hunter, who was like a wing slash forward. And now you look at where you're getting that scoring from and where the best shooters are. And that's Jay Huff, Sam Hauser, Trey Murphy, who are guys playing the four and five. And that's not to say that, you know, like Casey Morsell or Reese Beekman or even Kihei can't make shots or won't put up points, but it's a difficult thing to guard and match up with because you're forcing defenders to defend in a different way. Um, And so, you know, when you look at those matchups, like, like you said, a lot of people aren't talking about Jay Huff, which I was team Justin Champagny from Pitt as ACC player of the year, his to lose type thing. And after the last couple of games, I kind of like looking at the numbers, it's like, I think we should start talking about Jay Huff. Like, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but his numbers are crazy good. And he's just been so efficient and so consistent. So it, if they continue to play like that, I think the, you know, the conference looks top heavy with Virginia, Florida state. And then I'd put Virginia tech right next to right outside those top two. Um, so it's another reason why this weekend's game is so big. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll use that to kind of segue before we make the pick in overall stats for Virginia. Sam Hauser leads the team in points and rebounds with 15 points a game and 7.4 rebounds. Jay Huff, like you said, outstanding numbers right behind him with 13.8 points a game, 6.3 rebounds. Trey Murphy, the third with 10.8 points a game, three rebounds. Kia Clark, we hadn't really talked about him as much. Uh, 9.7 points a game, 1.7 rebounds, but does lead the team in assists with 4.5. Casey Morsell, um, 6.9 points a game, 1.9 rebounds. Reese Beekman, 5.8 points a game and three rebounds. And that's pretty much it at the top scoring wise yep. for Virginia. Um, now we got to get the pick from you. Who's going to oh, win yeah. it. And actually, actually before you answer that one, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, planning on asking this one, but what's you had said, you think Virginia tech is uh, the third best team in the ACC towards the end of the season. Since you said that, what do you think the Hokie ceiling is nationally? And then once you say that, um, what's your pick for this one on Saturday? Ooh. Um, I want to say th- Second round, so you're set like maybe second round or sweet 16. I, I'm curious to see. I, I think I need more data points around what the team potentially looks like without Tyrese Radford, depending on how long he's, you know, not with the team or suspended. Um, because it is, I mean, it's a huge blow. Like that was a piece that I think, you know, after Carter Diara opted out, like a lot of guys, what I actually really don't, don't tell the Virginia people. What I love about this Virginia tech team is the way, like these guys play with like heart, like, Mike Young has them playing hard. Like that is not a concern. I don't think for anyone at any point for this Virginia tech team. And that, that carries so much. I think where, you know, if you have that buy-in and you have that like grit always sounds so like cliche, it's like being like hard hat mentality, like that kind of stuff. But they play with this, like it's just physical defense and like, there's no relenting. And so that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, I want a few more data points before, but I, I think this is a team that can, you know, will hang out in that seven, eight seed range potentially. Um, and maybe higher. Like this is, you know, who knows? <laughs> who knows what's going to happen with the ACC? But I think that they have some pieces and if they can get some more consistent three-point shooting, I know there have been players that have shown flashes. Um, but if that, that becomes a little bit more consistent, they can definitely um, make a bigger impact. But as far as this weekend's game, it's one of those weird, like, I always feel like the home team always plays freakishly better or like you know something like that but 
I'm going to go. Virginia's got the hot hand lately. I think this is going to be a close, stressful game. I'll say like Virginia by like five or seven, but one that feels closer than that throughout. Are you going to make me yeah. get a full score? Do I have to like no, 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 put my no, no, heart you're on fine. the line? Okay. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> um, um, no, yeah, I, I think I pretty much agree with everything you just said there. I, I, I think Virginia Tech is a second-round team just because, you know, we saw them at the end of last season fall off with their youth, and they're still young this year. Yeah. They've gotten better. But I think I think they're a second-round team. I think I, I think personally, I think Mike Young can take them to a bigger level than they had with Buzz Williams. I don't know mm-hmm. if they will ever be a Final Four type of team, but I think they can consistently be a Sweet 16 team under him. But, yeah, I think they're a second-round team this year. As far as Pitt goes, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go Virginia too just because, of, like you said, they have the hot hand. They're playing well. Virginia Tech has – not been playing as well uh, lately. They did get the win over Notre Dame the other night. Tyrese Radford, we haven't seen them play enough without him yet. Yeah. I don't anticipate him. Be- I don't anticipate him being back this season, but we'll see. Um, but I think Virginia, like you said, I- I'm going to go with them by. I was going to say six or seven, so right around there. Yeah, look um, at us. That, I know, and that <laughs> will drop. That will drop Virginia Tech to twelve and three overall, and six and three in the and yeah, and then six and three in the ACC. But Big one on Saturday night, 6 p.m. on the ACC Network. Eighth-ranked Virginia traveling to Castle Coliseum to face off against 20th-ranked Virginia Tech. Well, that's Caroline Darney from Streaking the Lawn and SB Nation for Virginia Athletics. Thanks so much for hopping on and previewing Virginia and Virginia Tech. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. And a big thanks to Caroline Darney from Streaking the Lawn and SB Nation covering Virginia athletics virginia football and virginia men's basketball well we had a fantastic episode today thanks everyone for tuning in obviously previewing well not really previewing looking ahead to virginia tech football's 2021 football schedule and giving our way too early predictions with mike mcdaniel then we went through a hokey notebook hokies wrestling hokies men's soccer virginia tech women's basketball took down number two nc state we looked ahead to unc recap notre dame and men's basketball and then obviously looked ahead to virginia and virginia tech just there with caroline so man what a week for virginia tech athletics this is a great podcast thanks everyone for sticking by staying around tuning in to episode 23 of the goblin up podcast presented by duncan mazda in blacksburg long episode but thanks for sticking around for paul duncan our producer i'm carter hill your host and a contributor to fifth quarter we will talk to you next week as we hopefully will be able to break down virginia tech taking down eighth ranked virginia and castle coliseum Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Have a great weekend. We will talk to you soon.